This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I saw the team sheet and saw David Silva wasn't playing, Aguero wasn't playing, when Sterling wasn't playing, I thought they must be worried about Aston Villa rather than Real Madrid. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host for what is the 100th show. Not really, because we've done about 130. It's just the way we label them. But this is 100 and why not have the century episode about a Wembley Cup final. Joining me, Mr. Chris Budd, as usual. Hello. And out of quarantine for uh, coronavirus dan rogers welcome back thank you very much it's a it's a, an affliction that i get most times following villa between january and march uh, i get this high fever um as our form collapses beneath our feet and only this time it seems to coincide with uh, with a, the genuine end of the world so it's a joy to be here on the hundredth and prophet of doom podcast <laughs> ahead of our nine-year no. defeat at wembley this this podcast still marches on, uh, although uh, we'll we'll see how bulletproof we are uh, after the the Wembley extravaganza. Listen, when they when when archaeologists do dig up the world after and and find us many millions of years, they'll, they'll find this podcast and it'll be next to a fossilized villa dog and balti pie, <laughs> and they'll 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 put two into this this primitive civilization. <laughs> and some alien will go, God, well they won't stop swearing. They won't stop swearing. Right, Spineless anyway. Cunts. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear coming up in this show we will obviously focus on the incoming clash of the titan and aston Titans. villa <laughs> uh, in the league cup final 
We will uh, catch up on a few things uh, about Wembley. Uh, I just happened to have uh, a couple of hours ago just come back from a meeting with uh, West Midlands Police and the Met. The Met's police were on a conference call where I found out the ins and outs of what is happening uh, on the day. So we'll feed some of that to you. Also, we'll have a quick three points just to see what is happening in the coronavirus-infested European football (laughs) world. And then we will crack on. And the emphasis will be on how can we beat? Is it possible to beat Manchester City at Wembley? Anything is possible. And we will look for glimmers of hope, so at least we can uh, turn up in London uh, positive. Come on. We're going to do it. Come on, We're going to do it. Where's our Fenton? Dig him out. Dig him up. Dig (laughs) dig up the Fenton. (laughs) Is he in the time capsule as well? Well, they might as well put him in. Just looking at uh, what's happened since uh, the last... We put out two shows, 99 and 99.5, which we covered off. Yeah, we, we kind of had a meltdown after Southampton, so kind of apologies I mean, i'm sorry but not that sorry but villa mm. villa post uh, the winter break the only thing really that's happened is what i've just mentioned uh, i mean let's just talk about some of the issues uh, the green a fast beloved spot of grass in north london where aston villa fans have congregated in the last couple of years for the playoff finals will now be fenced off by brent council I think apparently the fence are going to be about six foot. And there's no surprise because last year I remember going into that game like a couple of days before and it was like, will it be fence off, won't it? And then at the last hour they decided against that and then Villa fans uh, smashed, well, a minority smashed the Derby coach and uh, just left it like a shithole. When they left, it was like the apocalypse had uh, swept through. I remember going on the Brent Council website and there was just all the residents putting up videos of just litter and shit everywhere that was before we arrived wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) and then after the you know we met christian perslow in a fan consultation group meeting after uh, like a week after the final a week two weeks and he read out the letter that they got from brent council saying how people had urinated in gardens had been Uh. fight fights with residents uh etc etc so it's 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 hard to i mean i've you know always fight the good fight i mean like for example on on the call to the met police i said uh, have anybody like made uh any moves uh from the met police to actually inform coach companies and also manchester city not maybe it's not a great idea to drive a coach through uh Mm. you know a few thousand pissed up Villa fans because that coach went the wrong way last time and Mm. the stewards directed them the wrong way. Mm. And uh, obviously you don't excuse uh, some mindless uh, idiots for breaking in the the windows of the coach. But if you prevent something happening, it tends not to happen. at source absolutely right uh, so the green's going to be fenced off so where do you go well box park apparently the guaranteed tickets i mentioned this to the mets uh, that box park had been charging 10 pounds and they they almost like coughed out their uh, tea or whatever they were drinking they it, they were quite surprised that box park were, were charging an entry fee there but those guaranteed tickets to guarantee to get you in i think i mean i don't know how I much they're going to count for anything i think there's going to be problems with that come sunday I like. I mean, I like the idea of the box park that it was free. You get in, and it's you know they're actually delivering something good. Mm-hmm. But now, mm-hmm. when you you're putting on a tent, it's like you cheeky fuckers. Mm. I think they know that it's been discovered, don't they? Last year it was undiscovered, and people thought, yeah, yeah. We'll go to the green, go to the green, or the green man. Now everyone's like, hang on a sec, box park's right by the ground. There's really good food, and there's facilities, and it's good crack. It's a no-brainer. We know, we know we can make some money here. Yeah. Extra money, should I say. The thing is, uh, when you close down the green, because that, that's the one thing I liked about the green is, A, it cuts out you know these £6 beers and uh, 
entrance fees to get into places and queues at bars and all that kind of stuff because you know the green man was the place to be uh 2015 but then you know you, you were standing around for like 45 minutes just to get a bloody beer mm. so uh the green suddenly it's a bit more democratic you can go to little get a wheelbarrow fill it with beers <laughs> and uh, take it up to the green <laughs> By the way, it's actually illegal to drink around Wembley under Brent Council rules, but that's kind of something impossible to enforce. Something the police kind of turned a blind eye to uh, on the actual day because, yeah, as Dan says, it's impossible to enforce. So, where do you go now? I think people are making plans for another uh, Mm. patch of grass somewhere about twelve minutes away. There's a significant amount of pubs and bars around there, and I think that people will just congregate, won't they? The the, the herd will uh, move away. Yeah, because the fan zone there, I mean, it's fair enough, but it's kind of empty because, mm. you know, the, it's free to get in, but you, you're not allowed to take your own drinks in, mm. and then suddenly, you, you know, you're having to pay top dollar for, mm. and it's a bit sanitized. Uh, but anyway, that's so that's the situation there. Also, the the Villa fans who have bought tickets, uh, well, bought went to West Ham or or got a reference somehow at Manchester City and then bought tickets are starting to have them cancelled. Mm. Manchester City have contacted Villa and they've essentially cross referencing names. And if they're popping up on the Villa database, then you're getting a you're getting a call saying sorry, but you have tickets cancelled. Well, the Stasi is alive and well. Yeah, well, I mean, it, if I was doing that, I would use somebody that I knew's address outside of mm, Birmingham, mm, A. And an alias. B, I wouldn't be putting uh, the fact that I'm at Manchester City on social media, mm-hmm. which, uh, I mean, if you're doing covert, do covert. Don't publicise it just yeah, to get some Especially likes. when every, like, Twitter viral football page is going to retweet that sort of shit. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. But they're doing it for the likes and you know the acclaim, but it's it's are. very short it's very short lived when you suddenly lost that money because it's been cancelled. Yeah. Uh I think there's about there was 50 known people but uh, I think even you know even Villa have had issues internal discipline because uh, staff have uh, sold tickets on. So it's taken seriously mm-hmm. that if if it's not in your name and you pass it on then uh, they're, they're at liberty to clamp down on that. Mm. Yes, I've seen a couple of tickets that are circulating with not the original owner's name on it, should we say? Yeah, and there's £40 tickets in the top tier being sold for 300 as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. The usual shenanigans. If anyone does want to make me an offer, I mean, I'm still... <laughs> Well, somebody was joking when I uh, tweeted about uh, Box Park's guaranteed tickets, uh, the £10 ones being sold out now. Somebody was saying two Box Park tickets for 300 quid. (laughs) (laughs) Right, anyway, uh, we'll get into the actual what's going to happen on the pitch in a second. Uh, First of all, three quick points uh, since we didn't have any in the last episode. Uh, Number one, uh, the Germans are very much uh, into protesting in, let's say, a more... unified and forceful manner than perhaps uh, Premier League fans or English fans who find it very hard to congregate and stand in union outside of, let's say, uh, the Liverpool area. Uh, there was a protest about Monday night football, uh, Antrak Frankfurt mm. uh, in the Bundesliga. I think it's the, the one whole section behind the yeah, goal. they'd lay a flag the out, didn't stadium, mm. uh, when they played Union Berlin, basically left it em- empty with just a banner which said, I think it said Muntag and then just a cross through it. Yeah, correct. Which would never really happen in England because... Uh, yeah, some some flag policeman would come over and say, oh, I'm gonna p- is that fire checked, that, that protest flag? <laughs> Fuck yeah. off. 
But no, no, not that. The fact that uh, the supporters, you know, they would turn up. They they mm. would they wouldn't not turn up to um, you know make a protest because oh I've spent my money and I want to go. Well, you've got a demonstration, and like you say, there's that unified approach, and you've got two teams there where um, it easily is banded around like working class and and whatnot. But it's a it's that creep, isn't it, away from the the genuine fan, and actually that how that impacts upon the average supporters quite significant. And good on them for doing it, you know. Yeah, because I don't think Monday night has been an issue here. I mean, the only issues are when you, it's a miss on a case by case basis when you realise you're playing Newcastle on a Monday night mm. at eight o'clock and the last train back from Newcastle uh, back to Birmingham left before the game kicked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of British way is to, right, let's find a way. No, I'll, I'll go on Megabus instead mm. rather than, you know, drawing a line in the sand and say, fuck this Monday night. Yeah, well, why isn't this TV. three o'clock on a Saturday with everything else? Why isn't it, yeah, convenient for match going fans? But, uh, and you know, the, uh, I mean, that's why TV companies get away with what they do, because there's, there's pretty much zero resistance. Hmm. Yeah, I saw the Bayern Munich fans had uh, protested, hadn't they, at Chelsea as well the other night? Yeah, yeah they, they, they pretty much always do about the prices of the Champions yeah. League. Every time they come to uh, play an English club, there's always some kind of banner there. Uh, speaking of Germany, uh, point number two, uh, I, I've done some research and behind the scenes talking with the football supporters association which i'm on the national council of about uh, var and our approach to it this wolves uh, group uh, wanted to do a protest and basically get rid of var and turn your backs uh, when there's a var decision i'm kind of thinking i think it's all about improving var and sorting it out it's not like this binary brexit get rid or keep it's like well it's here so let's get you know let's improve it mm. because the principle of it is right it's not really VAR that's the problem it's the human error associated with it and it's the application of it Hmm. which is a joke but anyway my uh, German friend sent me some uh, stats uh, of what's been happening in Germany and uh, I think they've had it yeah they've had it three years now you know they've had protests and uh, you know there's banners and uh, there's a bit of discontent I mean in Holland for example I canvassed uh, a friend who's like one of the heads of uh, the biggest Ajax uh, members supporter members he's on uh, the council at the football supporters Europe uh, set up and he, he was saying it's getting better in Ajax and there doesn't seem to be much hostility to it but in Germany uh, I think it's like split you've got like the ultra groups who are against it while there's another side that are kind of for it but want to see an improvement but the the thing the theme there from the stats i mean i won't bore you with all of them but the uh, the, the length of the var process on average uh, when it came in on 2017 stroke 18 it took 57 seconds to make a decision on average the following season that went up to 61 seconds and then uh, this season so far it's up to 79 seconds which is uh, one of the things i mean it's two fundamental things from my point of view is to speed up the process and the transparency mm-hmm. in the stadium. So you look at the German uh, experience and three seasons, it's, it's taken more and more it's time. It's 50% the, longer in two yeah, years. Yeah, but the reason, the reason is because they're under pressure you know, Germans, I don't know if we're stereotyping here, but Germans wanting to get something right, they're taking the extra time to make sure the decision is right Mm. and that's all well and good but you you know you're breaking up the flow of the game and that's what's pissing off the the fans there's one thing's germans i can can speak uh, a little bit with german some german family that's that's the villa postcode issue right in the background raising itself they're incredibly good at bureaucracy so they'll they'll love they love a whole VAR process and it's the wrong direction ultimately that they still have the same issues. I think even that this season there was a hilarious one where where someone was sent off who was off the pitch and the ball hit them. Yeah, 
And so that's the worry that Europe wide. I think there's a bit of it's a bit more passive because they've had it for two or three seasons. Holland being the one you mentioned as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a worry if we normalise a shit system when maybe we'll be the ones to fix it. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. There's uh, there's got to be a push to improve it mm. because if you know the authorities will think, ah, oh, typical supporters want you know wanting VAR out or whatever. When you, if you actually push for uh, best practice, like for example, uh, there's a couple of things that uh, the Germans are focusing on in a, in a progressive manner, and that's talking about the transparency in the stadia. Yeah, but also uh, they're mulling over the idea of having uh, like NFL style mic'd up referees, so the referee actually explains yeah. what's happening over the tannoy. And I think the Premier League, for example, are fearful for that for some reason. I think it's because of the. I mean, we don't want to. To take too long on VAR, I suppose, yeah. but I think it's the the you've got the stubbornness from the head of the referees, which is it's Riley, isn't it? Still, um, and I yeah. think that what you've what you've got is that at the moment there's been a number of examples where the referee hasn't been clear on why the decision was arrived at. Exactly, and I think that they until they square off who's the final decision maker, and a lot of this relates to I think getting a referee in front of us of a pitch side screen quickly. I don't know why that's such a massive leap because it doesn't then absolve the referee of responsibility to stand behind a decision he could likely disagree with or not understand. Yeah. Anyway, it should just be focused on improving from a support point of view, improving the transparency and in stadium communication. But uh, it's not just a UK problem. No. But anyway, let's move on to uh, the third and final European point, uh, mm. and that's coronavirus uh, seems to be, well, it, in Europe, it's really kicked off in Italy. We've already seen the uh, Sampdoria and Roma game postponed, mm. and now we're in a situation where there's five Serie A games being played behind closed doors uh, this forthcoming weekend. You know, big games, we're talking Juventus uh, at home to Inter Milan. All because of the virus also uh, matches at AC Milan as well. Parma, Udinese. And there are actually listings here. Syria have fixtures to be played behind closed doors and Syria A fixtures to be played with fans as if it's some kind of novelty to have fans. And maybe it will be uh, for the rest of the season. Mm. I mean, God, there's no thanks. plans in do the you, UK. Do you get your money you? back? Do you, yeah, hold on one sec. Do you get your money back for your season ticket? Or is there a technicality? Ooh. It's force majeure, isn't it? Read the small print about viruses. <laughs> it's an act of God. Maybe it is. Sorry, you, you were saying, Dan. Well, it's just, uh, I mean, in a Villa context, now I haven't really thought about it until this moment, really, that the government said that they've got no plans in the UK, that is, to, to stop, um, even in the event of widespread outbreak, to stop congregations, large congregations of people, because I think the inevitability thing, you know, if it's going to happen, it's happened. But they have said that they would pretty much reduce or stop all public transport. Yeah. So you'd be you I think you what we could easily see in the UK is um um because obviously we're a small island and if it plays out the way that the worst case then it's inevitable that you might have the game open you can attend it but not be able to get there. Yeah, in this meeting with the uh, the police uh, over the, the cup final, I joked that instead of giving away those s- cheap little uh, plastic flags, they should give away claret and blue face masks. Mm, like it. Which you can wave around as well if, 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 uh, if you haven't got uh, the virus. It'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks because, of course, England play Italy, don't they, at Wembley at the end of March? Mm. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe Sunday will be the largest single mass quarantining that someone will cough in about the fifth minute, and we'll all be we'll be welded into Wembley Stadium for fourteen days, staring across at the Man City section, going, "He looks awfully like a Villa fan." 
Staring at the scoreboard. <laughs> eight staring, nil. At the red, staring at the red seats in the Man City end. <laughs> they had the right idea. Stay at home. <laughs> They're all in Madrid in quarantine in the sunshine. <laughs> we, we jest, uh, but it is obviously a serious issue it's, now yeah. with the stock market uh, dropping. People now, uh, well, companies essentially mm. saying uh, no travel, work from home and all that kind of stuff. Well, there's even long-term forecasts about things like, you know, um, toy availability and clothing availability because so much is manufactured in the Far East. Yeah, I think Apple Apple will run out of uh, products to uh, punt out. Mm. It's Samsung's Korean, isn't it? And obviously, mm. South Korea have been hit by it. But yeah, it's going to have a it's going to have an impact for sure. Right before we uh, crack on, uh, just want to give a big shout out to the My Man Said patrons for keeping the show alive and if you uh do sign up you get access to an over 70 uh, extra shows now hang on we do an over 70s show now what <laughs> <laughs> for the old oaps where we go back in time to the uh, when we were great but no sorry seven ep- 70 episodes and we're putting it we'll no doubt have some uh post Wembley reflections to so yeah please do go to uh com and click on the Patreon option uh, to sign up there and support the show uh, thank you very much we now get people who send in once they uh, sign up as a patron they'll send me a, a message with instructions on how to pronounce their name which uh, <laughs> wouldn't be like you to could, butcher someone's name would it yeah no exactly well, you know, we'll a see, bit we'll like see, Donald we'll Trump did with Sachin Tendulkar and uh, oh, Brett Coley this week oh my does, word does he think I'm dyslexic with names or something. I mean, I may, may have mentioned that in the past. <laughs> yeah, Chris, have some bloody respect. It's a protected characteristic, you fucking. He didn't. He, unfortunately, uh, he didn't send me instructions how to pronounce his Christian name. It was just his surname. Oh. <laughs> I think. I think it's uh, Eric. And he says, uh, just Eric. info for my surname. It is Munthakos, said with the same rhyme and beat as intercourse in English. <laughs> Love it, <laughs> Munthakos. It's kind of similar to mine, Rogers. It's, it's different, <laughs> isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, Rog hers. Mm. He says, that is the best tip and usually gets a laugh. Uh, yeah, not as much as Rogers, though. No. That's why I'm here. It's good to be back, people. Also, apologies, apologies to the creator of the Ramussen diagram, which we mentioned in the yeah. last show, which is the uh, the chart that our friend sends in, uh, which plots Villa's survival fate <laughs> and whether we're on progress or not. Unfortunately, and, and this is a bit like, this is like sentencing somebody to the death penalty. And then after it happens, realizing you've made a mistake and you can't really go back on it. No. I, I referred to Christopher Rye Ramussen as Norwegian. And I think I've referred to him as Norwegian every time we've mentioned him. Uh, but apparently he's Danish. So uh, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what I can do to make it up to you. That, well, that's all I can say. Thanks for a core, Right, let's get on to the business at hand. It's Villa versus City. Yes. Wembley. Yes. League Cup. Yes. Come on. Come on. Oh, I've just scrolled onto the page with our win record against Manchester City. No, no, City. no, don't look at that. Don't look at that. Put your sunglasses on. <laughs> okay. Put your, I don't know, eye patch on, whatever. It's as red as the proper team from Manchester. 
<laughs> Very good. Uh, you get an L for a loss, and it's in red. So, Holy uh, shoot. Just to explain that. Ben Redding uh, has been on the show previously, will be on the show again, sent me a message uh, saying that um, a certain betting company had Villa out at 20 to 1 to win this game. To give you some context, they were 4 to 1 when they beat Manchester United, the proper team in Manchester, in uh, 1994. But we did have a team then that had finished second in the league to United the season before and actually they had they focused on the cup that season so that's why they dropped down I think it was 10th that they finished but we had a team to beat them and obviously Schmeichel was suspended for United I was confident that day 100% mm. it was weird I, I, I never felt so confident uh, for a Villa game that we had their number I think it was mainly the Schmeichel situation mm. and the fact that if we had turned up we had the players to uh, beat anybody in England this time bit different yeah who's our <laughs> who is our Graham Fenton is it is it <laughs> <laughs> oh. Don't groan yet. Save that to the end. Uh, <laughs> That's what she said. Let's let's look on the bright side. Let's look at cup pedigree. Yes. Aston Villa, when they get to a cup final, chances are they'll win it. They're going to win it. League Cup, they've won five. They've run us up three times. FA Cup, they've won it seven times. Runners up four times. Yes, but God, God was young the last time we won the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but the it's majority, uh, majority of the time, Villa are a big team. When they turn up at Wembley, the, it's a cup final. They tend to win it if you go back in history. That's true. So there's pedigree, pedigree. Wembley experience. I mean, Manchester Evening News had put out a story that it was Manchester City's second home. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Uh, how many times have they been? Ten in the last seven years? I can't remember. It's 17 since the shake arrived. <laughs> Ridiculous. You count like semi-finals and stuff. And what did they say? It was Villa's first trip for Ever. ten years? Ever, I think they, they were implying. Villa did not exist before 2010, apparently. Well, I know they didn't even count the last five years. We've been there five. This would be our fifth trip in the last mm-hmm. five years. Mm-hmm. They were making out as our first first trip for a very long time. I think Chris was the only person not to have seen us win there. For oh yeah, forgot about that yeah. record. Only just broken his. Yeah. yeah, only just broken it. Mm-hmm. I think that plays into. Uh, I mean, you've got a team where the let's say the spine of it. I mean, unfortunately, McGinn's not uh, going to be there. I play him. <laughs> One Put him on the bench. <laughs> But yeah, I'd play him. Supposedly <laughs> <laughs> useless in the camp. I mean, um... manager Mr. Michael, do you want to see his fitness updated fitness report on nah. uh, McGinn? McGinn, I've, I've seen you've put him in the squad. Nah, don't worry about that. He's playing. It's a psychological <laughs> thing. That's all it is. You don't even have to use I him. Just... just put him on the bench. Lift everyone's spirits. It's just to make Pep Guardiola go. Oh shit, McGinn's fit. They've yeah. been uh, they've been lying to us all that time. Yeah, I mean, we. Why, why has he got crutches? Come on, <laughs> John. Matter. You only need to get through ten minutes. But seriously. Uh, we played there last year. A lot of the members of this team would play there last year. So it's not as if they were going to freeze. But we're not going to be phased. Grealish has played there five times. He is our main hope in this game. I mean, the good thing about playing Manchester City, they don't look at him and go, oh, we've got to stop Grealish. We've got to stop Grealish. They play against, you know, they played Madrid and beat Madrid mm. uh, before this game. And, you know, they're playing a team where you've got, uh, there's a good bunch of, uh, you know, you've got Modric, you've got Bale coming on, you've got Benzema, you've got the mighty Ramos who got sent off for the 26. 
sixth time. It's, it's incredible. Isco, yeah. what a player, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know they, they're playing teams that all the time with handfuls of top stars. So they, you know, they look at Grealish and they may o- overlook him. But if Grealish, I think Grealish is going to have to have his best game we've probably seen in a Villa shirt mm. to win this game. Oh, it's eleven against it's eleven against one, isn't it? <laughs> it's his fifth time, so he's not going to be phased by it. And I think he's a bit disappointed by his his performance last uh, year in in the playoff final. So uh, he'll be looking to impress. But yeah, also uh, there is that thing where Villa have. I mean, we've been hammered four nil many times against them. When you just look down this list, there's a five nil in there as well. But we seem to beat them when we least expect it. Mm. I mean. Mm. Remy Gard, that, that was the year that we went down, was it 17 points? Yeah. Something horrific like that. I've tried to erase it from my memory. Remy Gard managed to get a nil-nil draw against Manchester City at Villa Park. I classed that a nil-nil win under that, with that team. Yeah. <laughs> Clean How sheet against anyone, let alone Man City. <laughs> How on earth did we manage that? I mean, people slag off Remy Gard, but I mean, a man who can get Villa a clean sheet against uh, Manchester City. I'm trying to think the last time that happened. It was uh, That's a result I think it was that... when Darren Bent scored under Gerard Houllier when we beat them oh, 1-0. That was his, that was his debut. Yeah, debut. Yeah, 2011. Oh that was the last... God. That was the, uh, the only time... Uh, Till this day, apart from the Remy Guard nil nil, we weren't really favourites to win that, but we were capable of beating mm-hmm. Manchester City in those days. I mean, we still had you know the players, even though we were heading south in terms mm. of uh, our ambition as a as a club. But then that League Cup game, Lambert managed to beat them uh, a couple of times. I tell you what, there's some results here that don't they get referred to like a dubious results panel? Isn't there should yeah, be some I mean, serious investigation? I mean, I, I gave up on that League Cup. Charles, as as Charles we... and Zogbia one. Yes. What was he even doing on the field? Oh, we, played, yes. we were playing in the lime kit. Stephen oh, Island was scored playing. the winner, didn't he? God. Yeah, he, he, Lambert rested a couple of players. He played some alternate players. I, I, I was living in Brighton and I couldn't be asked to go midweek to Manchester for that. I remember this. Even one. though it's, it's, yeah. it was one you can get tickets for because nobody gives a shit about the League Cup. The lime and I went kit. to the cinema and I remember coming out of the cinema and I was just checking the score just to see how many we'd been pummeled by. And I was like, fuck you. People hell. running out of pubs with newspapers. <laughs> hey, boss, see this? <laughs> Read all about it. Fell or four. Manchester City two. Women and children screaming. So that was a miracle result. And then the the result I remember from 2013 is because I was so fucked off with Villa at the time. (laughs) And I looked at the odds and there were pretty good odds. Yeah, and I put 60 quid on Manchester City to win. (laughs) And somehow (laughs) Andy Vyman decided today is my day. Just another one of those days where Joe Hart went walkabout. That's such an iconic photo in front of the whole team. It is. It was like he was celebrating just to you. Yeah, if I didn't lose that money, I'd, I'd probably have that print <laughs> on my living room wall in a big gold frame, but I Wasn't can't. Wasn't that a, because... a rare day where Bakuna whipped a free kick in? Wasn't it him who scored uh, a world? Yeah. That oh, day? yeah, yeah. He, he but of course, now he just playing. spends his he time was. having punch-ups at Cardiff on the field. Champions yeah. League player that, that, that year. So what we're saying is, uh, that what the conclusion of this is... Uh, we can do it. We should pick our worst team. We can beat them when sometimes we don't even think we've got a chance, and uh, and we made changes. Uh, well, in the Manchester the League Cup game, so Smith's talking about some of the players have talked themselves out of playing in the final. So we might turn up there, look at that squad, and go, 
well, yeah, we're, we're going to get fucked here. Mm. But uh, some people might have a point to prove and miracles do happen. And Manchester City players may have uh, been masturbating all <laughs> every night since they win in Madrid, celebrating that. So they might not have any uh, spunk left in them, so to speak. Enjoying their double <laughs> denim travel outfits. Exactly. <laughs> right, let's get into, uh, I mean, we're, we're goofing around here looking at uh, extravagant stats, but how do you approach this game as a Villa boss? I mean, I think you've got to sit down and think, how are we going to beat these fuckers and try to come up with a plan, as Ron Atkinson did mm. back in 94. Mm. So how do you go and set out aggressive. to try to win this game? Aggressive as possible. Get in out of way. Get in their face. Go and try and get an early knockout blow. What, in the tunnel? <laughs> yeah, take them out. <laughs> Explain I, I, I what do, do you mean by aggressive. Yeah, yeah. I think if you get the ball, you'd be proactive. You don't try and play out from the back. You try and get the ball in their third as quickly as you can. I'm not talking about Route 1. I'm talking about Liverpool-style, direct. You look at all the teams that have beaten them this season, Man mm. United, Wolves twice, Norwich. They all turned Man City round, played them on the break. I mean, admittedly, Wolves have got the devastating pace of Traore, mm. who just destroyed them. We've got the Man devastating got pace of Trezeguet. Yeah. But <laughs> if, you put, if you put the ball in behind their fullbacks and, 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 and stretch them, we just have to be brave. You know, If we're going to get the ball into the likes of Samata or Davis or whoever's going to lead the line, the likes of Grealish, we need, whether it's mm. going to be Horahan or Louise or Trezeguet, Algarzi, whoever's going to be the forward line or the wingbacks, people are going to need to bomb on. Because I think that the back City are there for the taking. If you sit back... You're just asking to be ripped to pieces. Mm. That was our mistake at Villa Park with drink water on yeah, this we debut, passive, actually, that we were we were so deep. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to pick you apart anyway. And I think in the first five or ten minutes, if the ball's there to be won, take the ball and take a fucking lot of the man as well, and make <laughs> sure when they go in at half time, they are black and blue, and they know they're in a game. Smash one of them in the first ten minutes if you have to. If someone has to take a yellow card, so be it. But let them know that this time round, we're not going to sit back and be passive. Because I think, actually, if, if a Villa player smashes one of them, the whole crowd and that Villa end will explode into life. I would make a point before the game. If I would play some mind games. I would say we're going to go and get stuck in here. Mm. Make out that they may lose a few players or yeah, you know, absolutely. get kicked a bit. Just come out and publicly say, Man City, when they come off that field, they will know they've been in a game. Because then the fans know straight away they're going to get stuck in. In the first 20 minutes, make them think, oh, I don't actually fancy this because I want to uh, play in Europe. I want to win the, I want to win the Champions League. So what you're League. suggesting is the first 15 minutes we give Neil Taylor a free-roaming tackling role? <laughs> no, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to like de-ice uh, Alan Hutton out of the cryogenic <laughs> freezer and let him go all Saido Berahino on them. Yes, that could be done. Well, I'm looking at what we've got in terms of pace and some, you know, directness to actually, uh, if we get it up there a bit more direct and put them under, who have we got? I mean, I think we've got a press. Yeah. Like, I mean, Liverpool had success. I mean, Liverpool played on the counter against them in their games where they've had uh, success, but also they pressed fast up front and we need to get that press back. Yeah, our early season success was, was based on that, wasn't it? Well, we didn't have a lot of points, but our competitive edge that seems to have completely dissipated 
the Champions League game at Madrid, uh, Madrid's opener, I mean, they got beat 2-1, but their opener came from uh, Manchester City's mistake in playing. I mean, I was, you know, I joked to the person I was watching it with, this is like watching Villa because they were trying to play it out the back, fucked it up, Madrid pounced on it and, you know, in it went. So they aren't, you know, they're not the finished article by any means if you if you can press them and force them in. And if Samata can get about, then, uh, but I mean, Grealish, if he's got the ball, somebody needs to be with him. He's, he's got to have options. He can't just be running with four, you know, into traffic every time. We, we've got to support Grealish to mm. actually help utilize what he can do. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So that said, Smith talked about players playing their way out of uh, the final. I mean, Gilbert said he had a shit performance, but I mean, he's somebody who's actually with pace that we haven't really seen. I mean, we saw him really bomb on uh, at times early on in the season, but nobody actually picks him up. But yeah. I think there's a there's a ball there to be had that Manchester City would have forgotten about that he can just bomb on. Yeah. But will he be on the pitch? I don't know, because I mean, El Mohamedy obviously provided the ball that got Villa there. Mm. I think his sort of swinging ball down the line could be an option. Tactically, that might be the way to turn him around, just hit it into the channels and let Samata chase it. I think he... If we play well on the day, or if we're going to be successful, he's going to have to work so hard because hmm. potentially he could get very isolated. Smith might think, well, Elmo's probably a safer bet defensively, like he was thinking at the start of the season. Yeah, when he didn't rush those guys in. Yeah. But you know, one hand, we're talking about having a go, attacking them with everything we've got to try to you know knock them down, if you want to use boxing terms, because. We've been picked, you know, sitting back trying to catch them. Uh, we've been, you know, they've scored nine goals against us, so we know we can't hold out that way playing that cautious game. So we might as well throw the kitchen sink at them if we can do in the opening exchanges. Mm. But you're going to need target on the pitch, surely. And uh, is Gilbert the best option if you play three at the back? Will he play the three centre backs? Do you think, or will he revert? Because he obviously in game switched to a conventional four-four-two. Well, sorry. Four at the back. I think it's a it's a deceptively important selection actually because Man City exploited that space at Villa Park and put the game to bed in a, in a very short space of time. Really, get it wrong, and I think that you'll either have to make a change quickly, which isn't a Smith thing to do, or, or 
suffer the consequences. Having said that, I do think a lot depends on the, the, the style that we're going to adopt on the day because you can pick either. But if, you, if you're too deep and you're trying to play a containment game, um, I think you're asking for trouble against Man City. I think you've actually got to get in the midfield and exploit, you know, using the example of Gilbert, we know, you know, we saw in pre-season and early doors in his Villa career that he's got the ability to get beyond, uh, get yeah. down the flank and, and deliver a, a cross of a sort. Target's proven that he's he's got a, he's got a ball in him as well, but that's that's there's no you're not going to hurt teams if you're in your own third. Yeah. Does so. that temp- does that temptation to go four at the back and and put an extra man in mid- in midfield, isn't there? I think so, and that might be a bit of pride swallowing, you know, as well. That I don't think Smith's been very fortunate in getting that pairing settled either. And for me, I think you've got to try and you've got to tr- what, what pairing. Well, he's always having to. He's seeing a mistake, isn't he? So you know, you get Engels back in the team, and then and then you're forced to drop him again because of the horrendous error that he makes. And I think that if you're going to switch back to a pair, I don't think the pair is necessarily obvious, but I don't think the three works. Yeah. So I mean, if you if if you get the uh, the Engels Mings at the start of the season, exactly. It says to me there's something in that. You could go with that and uh, and just say that's a, you know probably as good as it gets, and then focus on hurting him at the other end. I just worry when I see see the the lack of awareness and the naivety between Conza uh, and House at the weekend for the for the Southampton goal. Yeah, yeah, no, I just don't know whether I think Engels' mistake was a dreadful error. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a. You know, it, it wasn't positional, was it? It was yeah, just. Yeah, it was one just of those a things freak. that happens, and it can happen to anyone. Shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't happen. At, you know, for, at the level that Engels is playing at and the standard he should be. But for me, it was that it was the. I saw that. You watch that Southampton go back. You think yeah, that that was a bit of a Clark and Baker moment for me. When you look at House. You look at Conza. You're thinking, well, they're kind of doing that regularly. Mm-hmm. They're not marking the runners. They're not picking up men. And so that is. I'm thinking, well, I'd probably go with Engels and Mings, and then use that extra man in midfield somehow. I would. I would. I think the huge loss, the the huge gaping hole in the midfield is obviously McGinn. That you know, you you then complement as we were trying to do in the early middle part of the season was to complement a player like him. I, I you know the Nakamba Luis thing is either you start to think, well, yeah, that looks quite interesting, or it's an absolute shitstorm for us. You know, you need weapons against Manchester mm. City because you're not going to get many legs. chances. You don't. You're not going to get many chances. So you need people who uh, and McGinn is one of our, let's say, our, a, a proper finisher. If he gets yeah. a chance, I it's mean, he dangerous. can score. He can score wonder goals. Trezeguet, I don't think is that man. No. El Ghazi, he's a fifty-fifty type player. You've only got like your Grealish. I think Samata's a finisher, but obviously unproven in a mm. Villa shirt. Mm. So we are. I mean, Horahan, we know he can score, but will he be on the pitch? And is he going to be up to doing the you know, the, the work of actually trying to stop Manchester City? I mean, he had a mare, didn't he, at Villa mm. Park? He did. He did. Yeah. He did. And that's why I think the style's so important that if you know if you put a Hurahan into the mix there, you've you've got to be you've got to be playing an adva- as far up the pitch as possible to take advantage of the fact that he's got a finish in him or the set pieces. You know, there's absolutely no point doing what we saw at Villa Park where you're inviting people to run past him. He's too light. Yeah, drink water's obviously uh, not playing because of uh, being cup tied. Mm. So, I mean, how how do you factor in the, the extra midfield? I mean, somebody even say put Konza in there shielding two centre-backs. I personally would actually go very similar to how Ron Atkinson played it in 94. I would go with probably more like a back four, but essentially it's it's kind of the, the back three we currently play, and you almost have to say, Samata and Jack, go and hurt them. One mm. midfielder, go. And then you are going to have to sacrifice Trezeguet or El Ghazi 
and play the extra man in the middle of the park. And you're going to probably play... Lansbury. Well, you're going to play Horahan. is Horahan, the Marvellous and Louise. <laughs> you have like, been chosen, Henry Lansbury. You will be the Graham Fenton of this League Cup final. Yeah, and then and essentially you give your wing back. Chris isn't convinced license. on that, I think, Dave. He's not. He's no. ignoring me, isn't <laughs> not he? Not even. Yeah. I was in midpoint. I was in full me. flow then. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was in the middle of my tactical masterclass. You've ruined it now. Sorry, uh, carry on, carry on with the masterclass. Sorry, take take us back to 1994. We're gonna get we're gonna get a comedian on the t- on the uh, on the bus. Um, <laughs> no, essentially, if you give your fullbacks license to get up the field, which they can do, and bomb on a bit, and you flood the midfield. Mm. So it's almost it becomes like a three five two, but with one one of your five in the middle sits and one of them's like a diamond. So Jack's at the top of that, and then probably Nakamba's at the bottom. So you always have at any one time at least five men behind the ball. But you need pace, a bit of bravery, and you're going to need a two or three players with a fucking engine on them because your two fullbacks are going to have to bomb on. Otherwise, Grealish and Samata are going to get very isolated very quickly. Because, I mean, you could go the old uh, four... It's essentially a four-five-one, but... Yeah, kind I was of about a... to say that. And you give Grealish the free roll up front yeah, to yeah. try yeah, to get exactly. as close to Samata as he can. Yeah, yeah. And that that would that was going to be, I suppose, my, my view, really. Because I, I think just to round off my... my... I don't even know what you call it. My one hope is that I'm I'm not massively impressed with them at the back, and I think we would. It, it's a missed opportunity if we don't test them. Agreed. You know, if I think if we go there and yeah. we and we we go there in ultra negative or containment mode, I think I don't think necessarily. We, you know, yeah, we could get embarrassed, but I don't think we stand a prayer in in seeing out ninety minutes and trying to nick one. I don't think you beat Man City like that. I think I think you try and you try and get at them in the first thirty minutes and unsettle their style of play. Try and score. But give them something to think about. In recent weeks, we haven't done that for teams. Like the Southampton game was was case in point. Yeah. Very different opposition. If you give teams nothing to think about, they'll just come in waves at you. Because yeah. look at look at how we performed against Liverpool at Villa Park. Look how we yes. performed large swab of the game against Spurs. How yeah. we uh, Arsenal. In, Spurs how we on took the first on Arsenal. Mm. Uh, yeah, the first. Mm. Well, both Spurs games. I mean, I, I suppose so. That's what gives you hope. If you just if if we can hit those levels, then we can stay in the game. Then it's a matter of cutting out stupid mistakes, which we've been prone to the whole fucking season. Mm-hmm. So if those two factors click in, then we've actually got a game that we can actually be at Wembley and watch and think, well, at least you know, at least we're here competing. Be com- exactly. I was about to say, be competitive and keep yourself in with a chance that you know, even if even if you do go a goal behind, if if your game plan is sound and if that the way you know, and you give yourself those opportunities, uh, the thing that came to mind as you were talking, particularly about the Spurs game, was that was a game we absolutely had the chances or were in the right positions to create a chance where we yeah. could have won the football match. Um, and, and that would be my... Uh, I don't know how I'd feel if I walked away from Wembley thinking, well, hang on, you know, if, I don't know, Grealish had... Uh, sorry, if Trezeguet had squared to Louise, that sort of type of, uh, yeah. of of miss that we saw against Spurs in front of the whole 10, that you think, you know, a, a cup final is a beautiful thing in the, in the sense that it, it's 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 90 minutes, hopefully, and, and that you can... But, you know, you might as well absolutely kitchen sink it, especially if you can get to into the early middle part of the second half. It's shit or bust, isn't it? Yeah, they've got to compete, and yeah. which they didn't do against Southampton. And that's, you know, going back to 94, they were flaking around in the league mm. up to that game because all the players were like, you know, really focused on that final because you know, the League Cup then had a bit more of a, you know, shine to it. I, I was just thinking, I was going back to, we're talking about players with, you know, finishing touches that can actually uh, hurt them. I would say Louise and his shot. Mm. 
if you've got Samata up front, if you've got Grealish roaming uh, around him in a kind of a free role, and if Grealish does go out to the left, if Louise can fill in the gap behind, and you know if the ball's pulled back and he's and he's around the edge of the box, then there's the scope there for one of his uh, exercits. It's fair to say that all of oh, what, a few of our, especially the central midfield options, are great if we've got the ball. But the doubts about mm. Louise Horahan sometimes. Nakamba has has been without the ball, and let's be pretty frank. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, Man City are going to have more on the ball. I think this season they've only surrendered possession once in a game, and that was at Molyneux. Wolves had sixty two percent of the ball. It's crazy. Every other team that's beaten them has soaked up and hit them. Wolves mm. was like a bit of a freak day. I don't know if Man City were bad that day. Wolves were great or a bit of both. But generally, Man City, even when they play badly, they will monopolize possession. So you've got to be really efficient with when you get the ball. And when you get the chance, you're going to have to take it. Mm, and yeah. you have to be efficient with how you, you know where Villa choose to press. You know, this Smith thing of earlier in the year of, oh, we want to get on a high press, that's fine, but you have to pick your moment. Otherwise, you're going to be knackered by half time if you're trying to press them, you know, in their own full back positions. You've got to know, okay, now we can go. You've but know full well that if they get past your press, especially if they get past Villa's press with the yeah. likes of Louise, Nakamba, Hurahan, mm. who are not good on the half turn. Once they're past you, they're gone. Mm. Yeah. That's what we saw at Villa Park, wasn't it? The, yeah, the... once they got... And because we played so deep at Villa Park, we try and play our way out. We'd get caught in and around the box and you're just gifting them. And when you've got players like De Bruyne and Louise, they can just pick a pass. You know, they, City kept Aguero and Sterling on the bench at the Bernabeu. You would think yeah. Sterling would play. He might come in for a De Bruyne, I don't know. Yeah, don't when know I saw that, I thought, yeah, but Aguero's starting in the final and, and Sterling is too. Yeah. They're going to uh, they're going to just go for a, well, they're just going to go for a swift annihilation, aren't they? <laughs> Execution. <laughs> Execution, exactly. So be it, but you know what? Sterling's one of those players I said right at the top of the show. Get into him early. Yeah. Go mm. through the back of him and be smart. You know, Villa did it a few times recently. They started doing it in the Leicester Cup game, in the second semi-final especially. If you have to foul them, foul them in the centre circle. Yeah, it starts to wind them heart. up, didn't it? A little bit, yeah. Start to wind them up, break the game up. Villa can't let it be an open game. If it's an open game and, and it's moving at pace, it's not going to suit us. It's because the more we have to chase the ball, we're going to get knackered. That's when the mistakes happen. If we can yep. just niggle at them. You know, if you've after sort of 35, 40 minutes, if you've got... Guardiola in the ear of the fourth official and the referee losing his marbles, you know you've done something <laughs> right. That's what I want to see. I want to see Guardiola losing his shit. Also, I'd be watching back, obviously, the league games that City lost, but also that uh, semi-final uh, at the Etihad, Manchester United, because Manchester United could have won that. They were just lacking uh, the play. Obviously, uh, the sending off didn't help them. But that was a frustrated City team. It's staggering, really, that such a poor Man United team, of all the teams they've messed up against and they've failed to beat Villa, yet they've been to the Etihad twice and won. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. got a great Man City fans enormously. In a, t- in, a, you know, in a season when Man U were at their, probably their lowest, in certainly in my lifetime, and yet they still haven't beaten them this season. But it's also food, it's hope and food for thought because that was another, you know, another example of where we were highly competitive at Old Trafford, mm. but also showing you that Manchester City do have off days. And, you know, you look at that, they've been beaten six times in the league. That, they've lost 22% of their games in the Premier League this season. And they can overplay. That's one in one in five, over one in five. So they're not invincible. 
Nope. It's the thing of if they overplay, and I think Villa have to get it into their head. And I know it's the Smith way that, oh, we want to play a certain way, we want to distribute, we want to play out from the back. You've got to get that ball in the box. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to stretch them. There's a bit of like Sunday League about it. Hit it, run, get into the corners and just play territory to a certain extent. Turn them round and go, right, we can play from here. That's the the Graham Taylor approach. Yeah, you know, he he used to call it, let's set up base camp, let's get it in the corners and just stretch the pitch lengthwise, but don't just drop and give them 60, 70, 80 yards of just space to just pop it around in, turn them round, face their own goal and go, right, now we'll start from here. Now we can press them. Now they're in their own half. Dean Smith uh, obviously steadies the uh, the cult of Pep, but what he's got at the moment is just Primark Pep. He's, he's not going to beat the real deal doing the same thing because we you know we're we're a primark version of playing it out the back as as we've seen was you know you don't, it's you gonna... don't beat man city at their own game no one exactly. does exactly no one but, does as we've seen they are very very beatable, beatable they would definitely yeah. they would definitely be beatable if we had that man scott hogan in our team who is pulling up trees now he's at our arch rivals i think it's time we have a uh, 100th century episode installment of the Scott Hogan touch count meter. So uh, you were stripped of your title. The governing body had to strip Dan Rogers of his title. I just requested he... to be stripped. <laughs> he, he was uh, the linear. He is the linear. He's the man who beat the man who beat the man. His. Tyson Fury likes to say. <laughs> well, recently, uh, Max Stokes beat Chris Budd. So Max Stokes is kind of technically the champion, but uh, anyway, who gives a shit? <laughs> the context is a lot has happened in the in the universe of Scott Hogan. He has gone to the Blues. Mm-hmm. We've discussed this uh, in, in a previous show, mm-hmm. and he's suddenly turned into uh, he's up there with Aguero. Probably he's the championships Aguero all of a sudden, <laughs> banging it five, four goals in five games. I mean, the, the man's on fire. Scored on his debut. Yeah, hmm. you, you can't stop him. So uh, we're we're gonna we can focus back on Scott Hogan. I, I'm sorry if you haven't listened to the show when we've had a Scott Hogan touch count meter. The quickly the rules, what what there is of them. There are it's the first it's the best of three. First to win two rounds each round. Uh, the two competitors have uh, two rounds each to. Uh, guess how many touches uh, either Scott Hogan or whatever other player we are talking about had they will get the uh, the time that they played and you know the context of the game uh, if uh, after two uh, guesses they don't get it then there's a third round which uh, there may be a clue there to help them out if both competitors are way off the mark but anyway first to two Dan Rogers has pulled off some miracle uh, wins when he's been mm. uh, down but then pulled it back out of nowhere just ask Ben Redding about that wherever he is wherever Sob- he sobbing is. <laughs> still crying about <laughs> Uh, right, let's get into uh, the first round of the first game. Just a bit of context, Scott Hogan. Obviously, uh, he was uh, a bit part sub at Stoke until the Blues uh, swept in. I think he actually got subbed off uh, the only game he did start at Millwall at half time in the wilderness until mid December onwards. And then Blues thought, this is exactly what we need to fire up our season. <laughs> so uh, off he went to the Blues, and he now plays in a 4 4 2 with uh, Lukas Jukovic. And uh, it's, it's doing pretty well. 
well. They've they've had some pretty good results since uh, Hogan's been in the team. Let's 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 go more uh, recent backwards. Uh, played Sheffield Wednesday, drew three three against uh, a team where Barry Bannon scored uh, against them. He was very happy to score against the Blues. I think did he say something on t- social media? Or was it in an in, in interview? Didn't he say he can basically retire now? Yeah. Hmm. Strange chap. The claret and blue blood still courses through his veins, apparently. He's Scottish. Anyway, who's going first? Dan's back. I'll let him uh, put his marker down. Right, so he played the full game. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Goal and an assist. Oh, Two word. shots on target. That's all I'm saying. And obviously his goal was... So he had uh, four touches then. <laughs> a volley in the in injury time. To, 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 great uh, goal, to be fair. Make it 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, it is, actually. It's like it's just exactly what we need. <laughs> How many touches? 12. 12 from the Rodgers. Chris Bird? 20. Second round? 14. 14 from the Rodgers. Chris Bird surfing the internet quickly. Yeah, Can't find it. <laughs> swiping away. I'm saying uh, play the full 90. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say 22. 22. Nobody's got it yet. We're going to a third and final round. The only clue I'll give you is it's less than 50. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks for your generosity. Uh, okay. Okay. So I reckon I'm on the low side. I'm going to I'm going to throw in. I'm going to throw in some statistic for you. It's. It's. I don't know if this helps you or not. His pass completion was ninety-one point seven. <laughs> One pass, then he just had loads of shots. Uh, ninety-one point seven. Twenty-eight. 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 Final go from the Rogers. Now we're going to Mister Bud. Thirty. Ooh. Trying to fence it in. First round goes to Mister Bud. Oh, Come on, tw- back in 24 the game. Twenty-four touches. What on oh. earth is he doing, this Scott Hogan guy? This is like he's at least doubling. This, this is ruining the game. This is <laughs> was he doing? Was he doing kickups before the game or something? <laughs> I feel concerned that the boundaries of the this at the wall. This is a, <laughs> just hmm. a, a, just just another statistic that I, I picked this up. It's kind of a hollow was, victory, to be honest. While I was compiling these stats, I also picked up that Gary Gardner had uh and i think it's a shame that i'm doing it in reverse but we're going to see how gary gardner has actually got better because uh but he's still bad uh four, <laughs> 47 touches from gary gardner playing center mid 72.7 percent completion pass completion which isn't great put it that way but yeah, we'll Blues see. don't play passing football, do they? I'll, uh, I'll give you an update on his uh, completion rates as we go into the next game. So previously, they played Brentford. 1-1 mm-hmm. draw. Now, there's a little bit of information I want to slide in here on the sly. Uh-huh. Dean Smith, a bit of criticism of Dean Smith float- floating around, obviously uh, because of our precarious situation. Bit of a statistic for you. Yeah. Brentford, before Dean Smith came along, finished fifth, got in the playoffs. Dean Smith comes along eighth, ninth, twelfth, whatever, tenth, whatever. Brentford now, back in fifth, in the playoff spots. Should we Ouch. read anything into this? Should we read anything into this? Just putting it out there. Make of it what you uh, will. Uh, anyway, Scott Hogan, Chris go first, 1-0 up. Played 74 minutes before being uh, pulled off. How many touches in 74 minutes? It's getting plenty uh, of game time. 19. 19 from the bird. 70 minutes. Uh, I'm going to go 16. 16 from Mr. Rogers. Who goes into playing s- again? Brentford. Away or home? Uh, at home. Oh, okay. Uh, what did I say first? 19. Uh, 21. I'll be generous. I think this is the only game he hasn't scored in. 
Sorry, what was that? 21. 21. Uh, what did I say first go? 16. I'm going to go 19. You can't have that. Mr. Bud already has 18. that. 18. From the Rogers, we go into a uh, final round. Uh, as I said, he didn't score in the game. I'm going to say, is it, again, another useless clue. It was lower than 30. 22. 22 from the Bud. I think I'm being really generous here. Can Dan Rogers put this one away? 27. Oof, 27. Obviously read into my uh, clue a bit too much, maybe. But doesn't matter, because he still won. Oh, it was 17. Oh, either side, oh, that was 16 a close one for and 18. Once. He was peppering the target. We were, man. Oh, yeah. That's more like the Scott Hogan we've come to know and love. Yeah. One all, we go into the decider. On that little sidetrack, Gary Gardner, Ooh. 57 touches, 60% completion oh. rate. Oh, that is terrible. That's <laughs> stinking <laughs> the place out. Oh. <laughs> so just to give listeners a bit of context, normally Villa players around, even if they're having a shocker, you're around low 80s, aren't you? Even Isaiah Osborne sat somewhere there going, <laughs> fucking hell. And it's also proof you can't play football with hooves. And it's, and it's truth. If your game's not going very well, don't get your brother Craig to coach you. Oh, crikey. Play what a, a football coach, Craig club. Gardner. There's three games. Shall I bunch these together? Do or, it. Yeah, it'd be uh, fun. Do it. So here, here's what we've got. We have got full 90 minutes against Barnsley. Mm-hmm. He had three shots, two on target, and a goal. Now, in that game against Barnsley, Gary Gardner, I'll get this out of the way now, 49 touches... Pass completion, 48.6%. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. And to think there were people at Villa who were... Who were, who were... He's the next Steven Gerrard. <laughs> Fuck him. He's absolute yeah. muck. <laughs> we'll look forward to playing against him next year then. Jesus. Absolute. How can you have 48.6% pass completion and you're like meant to be their main man midfielder or one of them? And one in less than one in two passes, he found a blue shirt. <laughs> uh... Right. So uh, Hogan played the whole game against Barnsley. Three shots, two on target and a goal. Against Bristol City, two shots on target and a goal. And that was uh, another 90 minutes, I think. And against uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, where they won... I think it was 2-1, also scored in that. Uh, 83 minutes. I can I can hear tapping a keyboard, Stan Rogers. Do you know what? It's not. It's me. It's, it's my big pen. I'm actually writing it All down. Right. I'm taking this serious <laughs> on my return. It's... 83 minutes. So he's pretty much, I think he's played every game, every Ooh, minute, apart from seven minutes. Mm. So it's, uh, mm. you know, 180 plus uh, 80. Mm. So 263 minutes of football <laughs> From uh, Mr. Scott Hogan. How many touches? Dan Rogers going first in three games. The cumulative total, I think. Yeah. I think. Three games. And he scored three goals. I'm going to go with 60. 60 from Mr. Dan Rogers. Chris Bird, brain just going into overdrive now. 78. 78. Mm. Chris sees the new re- revamped Hogan. Mm. Seventy. Oh, it scares Rogers into going higher. I have no fear. Chris should be fearful. <laughs> I'm not the villa here, Dan. I've got nothing to lose. Mm, I know it's not my is. crown. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going for, Chris? What did I say? Seventy-eight. 78. 
Seventy-eight. Uh, sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. Motherfucker. Um. Right, we're going into a third round. Hmm. It's uh, it's higher than forty, lower than eighty. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, okay. that's Gary Gardner's completion. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sixty-five. Sixty-five from Dan Rogers. Better check my maths, actually. <laughs> You've had seventy-eight and sixty-nine, Chris. Mm-hmm. And my final guess is sixty. I've had you 60. can't have that. I had sixty. Oh, uh, that was Dan's opening. Sixty-one. Bit. Oh, Chris, but if only you went the other way, because it's 59, Dan <laughs> Rogers wins. <laughs> oh, do you know, you know, Chris, He's Chris, back with close a your bang. eyes, close your eyes, Chris. You know, oh. you know, towards the end of the Fury fight where he licks the blood off Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine. So close. I mean, that, what, is, what is another metaphor for that? You've been I mean, rogered. <laughs> you've been rogered <laughs> no, when you've been rogered it's like you, you had a chance to knock him down but he got up and then licked the blood off the back of your neck <laughs> 2-1 spectacular thank you good David. game thank you David Hogan's back with a bang he ma- he's made it more interested now he's now he's got back into the uh, well he's, he's starting to turn up for work and doing do his job so to speak I've, I've now also got a passing interest in how bad Gary Gardner is it's okay. I'm, I'm off after we finish this I'm off just to <laughs> Look. We just come up with a new game for the, uh, the Gary Gardner pass pass. Absolutely muck. The pass pass out or something. Forty eight point six percent. That is sackable. That's surely. a lot of. That's a lot of groaning inside of football. That's, oh, 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 yeah. oh throw in. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? If he had that completion rate for Villa. He would make Ashley Westwood look like Iniesta. Any last passing comments on the final as we make our way down there? Believe. And to, for how long do you think? <laughs> <laughs> 90 minutes plus stoppage time. How many until you leave the stadium? Uh... Well, well, off air we were talking about um, our, our respective websites get offers from from betting companies, and the one particular uh... which I decline, but his he, he loves them. Oh, I love. I, I actually reply. I'm best friends with many of them. Um, <laughs> but I was particularly drawn to the goal differential between the two teams on on mention of how many goals. So they're they're fifty plus fifty seven goals better off. Hmm. So just put this in context. Uh... Dan gets an email. Oh, can you put this uh, article on your site? Blah, blah, blah. David told us to fuck off. <laughs> David told us to fuck off. And he gets the article. And how many, what is it? 25 reasons why Manchester City are going to win this final. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've obviously accepted that. But upon reading it, the realization that n- n- neither the gods nor the odds are in our favor. <laughs> oh, that's good. But that's the way we like but it. But when we lift that trophy. Exactly. It will be sweeter. When when Neil Taylor lifts that trophy. Because <laughs> Nyland will have dropped it, obviously. Um. That is the, the final uh, question on selection. Uh, Nyland or Rayner? Nyland. Neither Nyland. Orian Nyland. Orian Nyland for, for the performance against... It's written in the stars for yeah, you, Yeah, no, it? I, I think it, you have to go with him because at the end of... I mean, his only poor performance, uh, ironically, was against Manchester City, but uh... any goalkeeper would have been peppered. He was I described think... as chocolate-wristed, I believe, on that. Yeah. yeah. Rayner didn't actually have the greatest game against uh, Southampton. Nope. And you know we wouldn't be in the final if it wasn't for Mr. Nealand because he's you know he's been. I think it's it's not as clear cut as oh Guzan or Friedel. Even though Guzan had uh, been in 
the sticks through the earlier rounds, but you flapped so much in that semi against Blackburn when we mm. beat them six four that I mean you had no chance against Manchester United if you put Guzan in playing like that. But this he's kind of uh, earned it mm. really because you know Rain has just come out of nowhere, and uh, I don't think he's that much of an upgrade. Because uh, distribution, I think we need to go a bit more direct. We can't be fanning around at the, the back because we're just going to play ourselves into trouble. We're, we're not good enough at that at this point in time to do that. Mm. We've got to cut out any potential margin. You know, margin for error has got to shrink. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of cutting. <laughs> Boot it! <laughs> just aim at their corner flag every shoot, pass. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> Put it in Rose Ed for 90 minutes. Oh. Neeland for me as well. I, I would uh, give him a go. I mean, if we're going to lose, we might as well lose by many, many. So you can say you were there and in spectacular fashion. <laughs> no, it won't happen. It's what, fine. I'm what positive. Would, what would I'm be positive. the worst way to go, though? Get smashed or get done by VAR in a cup final? Uh, why would you even prophesize? Yeah, why, what? Why? why? Bud. I think we've got to score first. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully we, we we we're in we stay in it as yeah. long as possible and they get frustrated. Agreed. I think Agreed. we need to score first. Uh, I mean that's obvious, but uh, I mean you can score early and it, and some people will say, well, that's just like taking a stick to a hornet's nest. But uh, I think we've just got to wake. You know, we we've got to do that. Really, we've got to mm. frustrate them. And if we wake up the hornet's nest, then so be it. Just raise the tempo. Let's do battle. Hell yeah! Bring the cup home. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want a lame Arsenal final like the FA Cup because that was no. just. An, we didn't even lay a glove on them. No, no, no. And no. against Fulham, it was a bit tepid because we didn't even force a corner. So at least uh, there's potential there, but we've got to take our the very few chances we'll get. We either need that. that 1994 spirit or dare I say 1996. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, 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 oh. Can you imagine? Right, anyway, let's uh, end this uh, because we're getting into fantasy land now. (laughs) Uh, Please do uh, sign up to uh, be a patron if you can to uh, get access to extra podcasts. Don't forget your scatter cushions. Support the show. I will finally get this uh, cushion competition up to win the greatest prize of all. The My Old Man Said cushion, which uh, isn't available, although people want it, so maybe it will be available soon. How he mocked the merchandise. How he mocked. No, he didn't mock the merchandise. He just mocked your merchandise. They're all... <laughs> you can shove your Christmas jumpers up your ass. Easter you eggs coming soon. Your... <laughs> <laughs> all right, please do follow the show on Spotify, Apple, or whatever <laughs> podcast app that you use so you get notifications when for when it drops uh, please do retweet and share when you see uh, the social media for a show pop up that's a great help to spread the word and until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye right send rogers back to quarantine <laughs> <laughs>
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.